Alright, today we will be talking on a topic that I called um, Time to Rebuild. The time to rebuild. Just turn to your neighbor and say, it is time to rebuild. It is time to rebuild. And we'll be reading from the book of Nehemiah as our text, as our guiding text, and uh, we'll just be learning. Um, so as uh, uh, learning from the life of Nehemiah. Because um, how many of us here knows about Nehemiah in the Bible? Nehemiah. You know about Nehemiah? Raise your hand. Let me see now. Let me know. Okay, fantastic. All right, a lot of us. Great. So, um, just a quick background. You know, Nehemiah was one of the prophets, the one we call the minor prophets in the Bible. And um, he, 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 he was... It was around at the time after the children of Israel had been exiled into Babylon, and um, some of them had now been allowed to go back to Israel to build the ruins of Israel, so to say. And um, the first set had gone back to Israel, and uh, Nehemiah made some inquiries about how they were faring, and he heard news that, man, things are not going as it ought to be that the whole of Jerusalem is still upside down, uh, the, the walls of Jerusalem, are, the, the walls are still broken, and um, Nehemiah now took it upon himself, took the challenge, and, and uh, decided to go back and confront the situation, confront the matter head on. Uh, his singular task was, we need to build this beautiful city, Jerusalem, we need to rebuild it. You know, praise the Lord. So for him, it was time to rebuild. You know, so as an opening, we're going to be, I want feedback, you know, based on the story of Nehemiah and the fact that you know about Nehemiah, you've read about the story in previous times. How can you relate it to any of the present situations around you? You know, uh, I mean, I, I, I have a classic that I can relate it to, of course. Uh, and I, I would say it's the current situation that we are in Nigeria as a country. You know, I think my wife is even getting tired of me and my issues with this country right now. You know, because when I get on, on social media and I'm talking, she just ignores me like, you have started again. But... You know, we won't go into much details about my personal opinions. But generally, I feel that Nigeria is like um, a, a, a Jerusalem that needs to be rebuilt. Do you agree? Do you agree with me? Uh -huh. So we, we, need a, we need Nehemiahs that will come and rebuild this country. So for you also, I mean, think about it. Are there situations around you that you think that, okay, needs to be rebuilt? You know, uh, uh, maybe it's the business you're in or your career or your, your job presently or the school the, your system or the school that you are in. I want to take feedback. Anybody want to share something that you feel that you're, the current situation that you are in right now and you feel that uh, is similar to what Nehemiah saw in Israel before he decided to go back and rebuild. Anybody wants to share? Anybody? Okay. All right, Pastor Lamidi. Anybody else? Okay, mommy wants to share at the back there. Someone at the back there. 
Patience. Raise your hand. Raise your hand now so she can see you. Great. All right, Pastor Lamy, go. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, yeah, the story of Nehemiah, um, there's a lot to, to be learned from it. And um, when it was rebuilding, I remember that every body, when it was, was rebuilding, I remember that everybody who had returned back to Jerusalem to rebuild participated in it. And at one point, as they were rebuilding with one hand, they had um, weapons in another hand. And it's a story of, um, like you said, Nigeria. Nigeria needs a lot of rebuilding. I think the, it's like a structure that is dilapidated and needs to be, to be really rebuilt. And we all have to participate in it. It's not just the government. I'll share very quickly an experience. There's a chat room that I belong to. It's all a group of women, but not, not in church. We are connected via exercise, aerobics. So there was this um, research report that I posted in that group. Okay, so in Nigeria, in the next, by 2050, you know, we have the highest number of poor people and things like that. The research done by Bill Gates Foundation. So, and then one of them reported, that, oh, I reject it in Jesus' name. Correct. <laughs> then I put a laughter sign. And they were like, oh, why are you putting a laughter sign? Blah, blah, blah. I said, I said, it's not just about rejecting it. We have to work hard. That handpick just 10 people around you and find out which one of them has not tried to pervert the course of justice, has not given bribery, has not taken one way, driven against the traffic, just in the last seven days, and everybody kept quiet. So I said, it's not just about we, you know, praying, you know, we are trying to rebuild with one hand, and then the other hand, we have our weapon. You know, it's not just about praying, I reject it, I prophesy. What exactly are you actually doing to participate in the rebuilding of this nation? You know, it's like everybody you meet, one way or the other, they are looking for ways of, you know, um, um, duping you, getting something from you, lying and all sort of things. So it's so prevalent and God will help us. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Let's put our hands together. Awesome. Praise God. Yeah, so today we'll be learning about how Nehemiah found himself in the situation that was in Israel and what he did to, to, to fix as best as he could. Praise God. So we'll be reading, uh, I want to encourage you, uh, Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah has just 13 chapters. Um, I want to encourage you when you get home or you want to get, get time tomorrow, tomorrow, tonight, if you can, run through the entire book. It's, it's interesting how... It's an interesting book, and you, you will catch a lot of revelations on it, especially if you are someone that is desirous of change, if you are someone that is desirous of being a, a change agent, and God will help you as you do so in the name of Jesus. Uh, this evening, we'll be reading just Nehemiah chapter 1, uh, the NLT version, and I will read it, um, then we'll take it up from there. Um, in late autumn, in the month of Kislev in the 28th year of King Artaxerxes' reign. I was at the fortress of Susa. 
Anani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates has been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the hands of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name, for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O oh Lord, Please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayer of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. Praise the Lord. Who is this guy, Nehemiah? The last verse says, Nehemiah was the cupbearer of the king. And when the king favored him and sent him back to Judah, the king generally more or less appointed him as the governor as he was going back. So the, the, the person called Nehemiah was actually, as an individual, not in a place of pain or stress. or It wasn't uncomfortable. It was the king's cupbearer. In those days, the closest servants to the kings are actually very, very comfortable because you cannot imagine that the king will have someone that is hungry to be serving him. What that means is that the person potentially has the ability to poison the king. So usually the closest servants to the king or the closest uh, uh, the, the people that will serve the king, they are usually very comfortable. So Nehemiah was a very comfortable person. He wasn't a poor person by any standards. He probably has even his own servants, even though he was the cup bearer of the king. So, I mean, let's get that fact right. Now, why am I emphasizing on this is that when we find ourselves in situations that are not, when, when we see situations around us, we've used Nigeria as an example. So I'll, I'll go back to the case of Nigeria as an example. We need to understand the fact that when it appears that we as an individual are comfortable. It is not enough for us to say, okay, the fact that the rest of everywhere is, is not right, it doesn't concern me, I walk away. Because Nehemiah could have taken that position, but he chose not to. Why? Because he knows that if he does not fix it right now, or if he doesn't fix the problem on ground, he's still going to come back to haunt him later. I'll give you a classic example of something that we can relate with. Let's assume you have your, your house. There is a, 
drainage, uh, gutter, what we call a gutter. There's a gutter in front of your house and your neighbor's house and your neighbor's house. And the whole street has a gutter linking up, right? Now, you clean out your gutter regularly. So you are okay. You are doing the right thing. But your neighbor continues to pour his or her own trash into the gutter in the dry season. All right? At that point, it doesn't concern you, right? Because, hey, water is not even flowing anyway. But you ignore it, and it becomes a pile. Now, when the rains come and the flood comes, what happens? The gutter doesn't flow the water that should flow away, right? Because now there's a lot of mess inside. It get, the, 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 the gutter gets blocked, and when it gets blocked, water spills on the road. Now, the water that spills on the road, does it just spill on the road in front of your neighbor's house? Does it? It spills everywhere, including yours. So everybody gets uncomfortable. Everybody gets messed up. So technically, what we're, what we're picking from here is that the fact that, and Nehemiah realized that, the fact that he was living a comfortable life in the palace was not enough for him to ignore what was happening back home in his, in, amongst his own people. And we also need to realize that because a lot of us, uh, God has blessed us and God will keep blessing us. Amen. We need to realize that for as long as there is poverty in the land, for as long as there is injustice in the land, and we just think, okay, because it does not affect us directly, immediately, we need to take the position a Nehemiah did, which is to go and find a way to fix that poverty, go and find a way to fix that injustice. Because whether we like it or not, it's a matter of time. It may come back to haunt us. Amen. So Nehemiah was a cupbearer and he, 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 he stood for that. Secondly, now, Nehemiah was concerned for his people. He was asking about his people in verse 4. He says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Why? Because all he heard was, your people are in trouble. They're in great trouble and disgrace. And it troubled him. It troubled him so much that he, he turned to God and started praying and fasting about it. Even though he personally was comfortable, his family was comfortable, his immediate family was comfortable, but he did not let it rest there. He got uncomfortable with the fact that people around him were not comfortable. He got uncomfortable with that fact. And, you, you know, I, I, I use myself as an example. You see, when we, social, social media can, can be a very interesting place because you hear all sorts of news and especially concerning Nigeria, things that should not even, that you would assume should not even happen. You know, and uh, Nigerians are very quick to turn it to a joke. Some people even release albums based on it and do all sorts of skit videos. It can be very funny. You, you, you get what I'm saying, right? You heard about uh, even the yesterday's own Israel and Nigeria. I don't want to mention the... You, you hear, those of you on social media, you, you heard about it, right? Some people are, it was, it was a pile of jokes. 
And we can laugh about those things. And I personally, I also used to see those things and I laugh about it because they can be funny. But you see, when we see what is not right and we laugh, it's okay. It's not a sin per se. But when we see what is not right and we begin to have a burden in our hearts to fix it, that's when God sends a solution to you. Because that was what happened here. Nehemiah was in a comfortable position. He asked about the people in Israel. Oh, they're in great distress. They're in great trouble. He did not find it funny. It became a burden in him. It's, it's, he, he, he couldn't rest. He couldn't sleep. He began to pray. And God laid it upon his heart to go back and see how he could help them to rebuild the city so that the city of Jerusalem will take its place. Because I believe very soon also Nigeria will take its rightful place in the mighty name of Jesus. So Nehemiah's concern did not just... Nehemiah asking about these people was not just for amusement, was not just for information purpose. It turned into something that bothered him and concerned him. And he struggled with it until... God released the solution for him. God will release the solution for someone concerning Nigeria in the name of Jesus. So, based on that, he, he prayed, as we read in the scripture, he prayed and he went to the king. And the, he approached the king, uh, chapter, verse 2, we can read about that, verse 2, 12 to 16. Um, it says, Sorry, is it back soon? Okay, verse 2, uh, chapter 2, chapter 2. It says, early the, morning, early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Ataxas' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. Because the story he heard, bothered him so much that he began to look sad. And the king says, I never, uh, the king says, so, so the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked then, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servants, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I will be gone, the king agreed to my request. Praise the Lord. So the burden inside of him led him to approach the king. Led him to, I mean, he prayed, of course. Led him to approach the king and present his case. And God touched the heart of the king. The Bible says that when the king was given, after the king gave him permission to go, not only did he give him permission, he actually sent soldiers along with him to guard him till he gets back to, 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 to Jerusalem. What am I saying with this is that when that burden, when, when, that's, when, when you get a burden inside your heart and God releases a solution, no, God doesn't just release a solution. God actually also empowers you for the solution. Because that's exactly what happened here. 
Nehemiah knew that, it, I mean, one, it was a long journey. He probably may not have been able to make it alone, but the king accompanied him with soldiers, sent him with reinforcement. I said, okay, go. You're not only just going, you're going. He sent him letters ahead. Letters that will give him authority when he gets there. Letters that will appoint him as a governor as soon as he gets there and give him power to be able to do whatever he wants to do to rebuild the city. Praise God. So he went and... So the, the, the gap you're going to be feeling there is that when God wants us to fix problems around us, he usually equips us to fix the problems if we ask him. He usually equips us also to fix the problems if we ask him. So Nehemiah is a classic example there. He asked God. God sent him. God reinforced him. God gave him all the things he needed to be able to fix the problem. Praise God. All right, so when, when Nehemiah got there now, you know, I said that we're picking things that Nehemiah did that we can learn from uh, while, so that when we find, our situation, find uh, ourselves in situations where there is a need for, to, to rebuild, you know, we know what to do. So when Nehemiah got back into, got back to, Jer- Jer- to Jerusalem, I'll read uh, that Nehemiah 2, 12 to 16. I misplaced the scripture. It's supposed to be here. So he says, so I arrived in Jerusalem, and three days later, that's um, verse 12 now, Nehemiah 2, 12. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us, except the donkey I was riding. After dark, I went out to the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gates and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So though it was still dark, I went up to the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. Praise the Lord. So here was Nehemiah when he finally reached his destination in Jerusalem. He had in his mind what he wanted to do. He had in his mind the burden. He, he, he had the authority from the governor, from the, from the king, to go ahead and do what he wants to do. He had the military enforcement to, to guard him, to protect him. But he did not just arrive, bam, like, okay, I've arrived, Mr. Fixer. All right, let's do this thing. What did he do? He first of all spent time studying the current situation. He spent three days understanding what was going around. It's important for us to be able to incubate our plan. It's important. So anytime we have a plan, anytime we have an idea, so God gives us an idea. God gives us a business idea. God gives us a, 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 a financial idea. It's important for us to keep it quiet, to keep it cool, to keep it calm, and incubate it until it is ready. As soon as you get the idea from God, it's not the time for you to just be telling everybody that needs to hear, everybody that you feel you, you want to tell. Praise God. Keep the plans for yourself. There's a necessary time for incubation. There's a necessary time for incubation. Praise God. So after Nehemiah took the time to, to, to inspect, to study, then he moved into action phase. 
After Nehemiah had encouraged the people and told them the reason why the walls of Jerusalem had to be built, they all agreed with him and said, let us arise and build. Remember, the Bible says that they were all in great trouble and distress. They were unhappy. They were sad. Things were not going as they ought to. So here was someone that was coming with a solution. Someone that come, came and now said, look, this is what God, this is what I believe that God is telling us to do. So the Bible, uh, verse 17 says, oh, sorry, verse 16. Let me start from verse 16. The city officials did not know I had been out there and what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Praise Lord. It's time for action. I believe that it is time for action, for us to take action. I believe that it is time for us to take action, even concerning this nation. You know, 2019 is going to be a very interesting uh, time politically in this country. And um, we all need to find a way to... Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about it. We need to find a way to get involved in action because it is our Nigeria that is at stake. It is not someone else's Nigeria. It is our Nigeria. Praise the Lord. So, usually, as is the case, when you see people that want to make a difference or want to make a change, there's, there are always going to be people that will fight, stand up and want to discourage them. And here comes Sambalat and Tobias. Praise the Lord. When Sambalat and Tobiah, let, let me read verse 19 to 20. So, but when Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? They asked. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. Praise the Lord. That is the job of the naysayers. That is the job of the people that are not going in the same way, the same destiny, not going in the same destination. There will always be Sambalas, Sambalats and Tobias and Geshems all around. There will always be there. We need to develop our capacity to be able to, one, identify them, and two, silence them. That's what exactly, that, that's exactly what uh, Nehemiah did there. He remained positive. And that, that's what you need to put there. Remain positive. When God has told you what you need to do, when, you are, when, you, when you've created, when the burden is in you and God has given you a solution and he has empowered you, you need to remain positive. Even when the Sambalats and the Tobias rise up and tell you and challenge you and say, what are you doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? You're just wasting your time. It's not going to be worth it. It's not going to happen. We need to remain positive. What did Nehemiah do? He just ignored them. He said, the Lord, he will prosper us. 
He trusted in his God because he knew that the God he is serving is bigger than them. And if God has given him an instruction, say go, he was ready to just go and trust God. So he remained positive. So there are times that we are going to have the Sambalats and the Tobias around us that we can pack and just get rid of. And there are times that we will have them around us that we cannot really eliminate. We have to live with them. So how do we deal with each situation? The ones that you can get rid of, get rid of them. How do you do? You shut them down and take them out of your visibility. So that, I mean, for, for, for instance, you, you are running a project and you have a team and you have a team member that is perpetually saying, if you are in charge of the team, you have a team member that is perpetually saying, this thing can work, this thing can work, this thing can work. Take the person out of the team completely. Don't waste, your, don't waste too much energy trying to convince the person that it will work. Let the person see it working from outside, then let him come back and ask to join the team back. Praise the Lord. God has given you a plan on what you want to do. You have people around you saying, no, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Take them out if they are the kind that you can take out. And the type that you cannot take out, maybe you are the team member and you have your supervisor telling you what you want to do is not achievable. What you need to do is to speak and remain positive like Nehemiah did there. He couldn't get rid of Sambalat and Tobiah because they, 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 they were like uh, principalities in quotes, sitting there, just hanging around, watching and rejoicing in their failure. How did they even be there? They, you, know, you know, when... When the king of Babylon evicted all of Israel and uh, took them as slaves, these were foreigners that just moved into an empty land. And they just became Omonile all of a sudden, from, even though they didn't have history to the land. Praise God. So that's how they came on board. So what do you do with those people that you cannot do, deal with immediately? You speak positively to them. So when they are telling you negativity, you are telling them positivity. Positivity will, will, will wipe it out, and that's the way to deal with them. Praise the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 3. So, they started the work of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Then, Elisha, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the ship gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Analel. Now, how did they start the building? As soon as they started the building, they dedicated it to the Lord. What that means, what I pick from that is that if there is a solution or if there is a plan that you have come up with based on the idea that God has given you, that idea has to be an, the idea that follows God's way. 100%. You cannot say, okay, because, um, because, let me use Nigeria's case as an example again. Let's say you want to join politics or you want to get involved in changing something in Nigeria. You cannot say, okay, this is how they play politics in Nigeria. It is dirty. So I need to get dirty to clean the system. You understand? Darkness, like uh, Dr. Okeo Nuzo taught us two Sundays ago, darkness cannot chase away darkness. Light chases away darkness. Praise God. 
So you have to be a stickler to God's way. And that's the only way. And God will make a way in that way for you in the name of Jesus. Verse 3 to 5. Verse 3 to 5, chapter 3, says, I mean, I'll just read it. It says, the fish gate was built by the sons of Anasena. They laid the beam, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Meremet, son of Uriah, and grandson of Akos, repaired the next section of the wall. Beside him were Meshulam, son of Berekai, and grandson of Meshulam, and on and on. It's a long, the whole of chapter, mm-hmm. chapter 3. But if you read it, you know, like I said, when you get home, try and run through this entire book of Nehemiah. Now, what, what they continued on and on, the, 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 that chapter 3 specifically was that they were saying specifically that every family got physically involved in the building of the wall. They did not say, okay, only the builders go and do it. Even the Levites, that God said that, 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 that their job was actually to just be in the temple. Everybody got involved. What do I pick from that? Is that for us to rebuild this nation for Nigeria, everybody has a role to play. Pastor Lamini said it earlier on. That one of the key things to learn from this book of Nehemiah is that every one of us sitting here has a role to play. Every single one of us has a role to play in our own domain, in our own space, in our own community, in our own uh, business area, in our, in our schools, in our marketplace. We have a role to play. We have a role to play. Just like everybody got involved, everybody that was an Israelite, they, they, they began to do, they, they joined hands. Nobody sat back and said, okay, let the, let, let, uh, let, let, let the, the rest of the people go and do the work. No, nobody. You know, there's a popular story, I don't know if you've heard about it before, about four people called everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Have you heard that story before? Huh? I'll tell you the story. It's a, it's a very, short, very short story. He said there was an important job that needed to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Then everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. So it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. And that's how it is when we don't take responsibility for the part of the job that, is, that, 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 that we should take responsibility for. So the next one says that take, take responsibility for the issues around you. What are you contributing to the building of the wall? You have to take responsibility for all the issues around us. We, we, we see, like the example I gave earlier on, you see your neighbor pouring dirt, pouring, pouring fields, pouring their trash, in their daughter, in their gutter, even though it is in front of his house, what are you doing about it? What are you going to do about it? Because that's where the problem starts. When the whole place get, gets flooded, then we come and say oh, it's government. No, it's not government, it's you. That's where it starts. 
you are in a bus, you are going to work, there is traffic, we know. Then the driver gets on one way and you keep quiet and you are in the bus. What do we do? We have to take personal responsibility for the issues around us. You know, um, it's easy for all of us to, to, to fault our government, even though they have our leaders, even though we, I mean, it's not uh, rocket science. We don't have to de debate that. They have issues. But a couple of years back, I read a quote from Richard Branson. You know, Richard Branson attempted to come to Nigeria with Virgin and uh, they formed an alliance, Virgin Nigeria. You know the story, right? When the whole thing broke down and he left, he made a statement. I can't quote him exactly right now, but I'll just paraphrase. He said something like saying, the average Nigerian is a wonderful person. He's an excellent, great people. They are great people. But the leaders, they are a terrible, different monster. He said, but what shocks him is that it is the people that become those monsters. Where do they change? Praise the Lord. Don't you also ask yourself, we keep saying our leaders, our leaders, our leaders, our leaders, our leaders are this, our leaders are that. These leaders are coming from us. So where is that transition? In my own opinion, I think it's because we're not holding ourselves accountable to ourselves. We're not holding ourselves responsible to ourselves. Praise the Lord. So we can't hold them responsible. 2019 is coming now. I'm seeing all sorts of slogans out there campaigning for the people that have wrecked this nation, especially amongst the younger people. And I'm like, ah. but I'm not going to go political. Praise the Lord. We'll stick to the scriptures. So we have to take responsibility for the issues around us. What are you contributing to the, to the building of the wall? What are, we, what are you contributing to the building of the wall. Verse Nehemiah 4, 1 to 9. When the enemy now sees that we are beginning to make progress, like they were making progress, the enemy begins to throw in the, throw the spanner in the, in the wheel of progress. And the first spanner he throws is the spanner of mockery. Nehemiah 4, 1 to 9. Sambalat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Samarian army officers, what, are this bunch, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they are doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse even if even a fox walked along the top of it. Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we have been mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads and may they, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger in front of the builders. At last, the wall was completed to its to half its height around the entire city for the people had walked with enthusiasm. But when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. 
They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So the enemy comes and begins to mock whatever actions that you are taking, whatever moves that you are making. The enemy comes and begins to mock it. Because his plan is to discourage. His plan is to discourage. But when you find yourself in that kind of situation, what we need to do is what Nehemiah did. He moved immediately into prayer. Because when you are discouraged, the only way you can get encouragement is from prayer. It's from God. It's when the Holy Spirit re-energizes you. And that's why we need to pay attention to to, to our relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we can always connect to, it, to him. We can always connect to him. Praise God. So when, when they started, um, okay, I wanted to ask a question here. Have you ever started a project and in the midst of that project or when you're about to start a project, you are being mocked or you are being jeered at like, oh, look at you. You know, um, just about two weeks ago, um, we started a, a group chat. My secondary school mates, I mean, you can imagine, 29 years ago, we, we just started, uh, we just came together to form a WhatsApp group chat 29 years after we left secondary school. And everybody started adding and joining. And I remember a particular friend of mine, a particular a schoolmate of mine is a Muslim and he joined and was sending pictures and he was a pastor now and I just shook my head I laughed I said ah now what is life I remember when I got born again and I told this guy I was born again he laughed as if he wanted to fall down he said you you dash monkey banana you know I didn't say that exactly but that was what it was he said you how can you, you, how can you, that if I am born again, that, I can't even remember, he, he, he more or less like just mocked me like, he's, he's impossicant. That it cannot even happen. Today, he is a pastor. I was, he was a Muslim then. Do you understand? And I've not seen him, I've not spoken to him since 29 years. I was just shocked and amazed. I said, wow, this is God. He knows how to just turn things around. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to, when, maybe when I get home today, I'll just remind him of that event, if he can still remember. And I'm sure he will just laugh at himself. But you see, are there, are there things also, maybe anybody here, are there, is there a project or something you had attempted to do that people had mocked you and you went ahead and today it's a, a I mean, you have a good story about it. Anybody has a story like that, something you want to share? Anybody? Okay, okay, two people there, please. You have one too? Okay. Patience, you're close. No, Jubilee. Umini, uh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, please. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, mine, mine was uh, when I wanted to start my transport business. <clears throat> so I don't have the, all the, the capital to buy my own uh, tricycle. So as then I went, I heard about the, the bridge is in charge. So I make up my mind to come for the loan. So on my way to come to the church office. So I met somebody, a friend in church. 
So he said, where are you going? I said, ah, I'm going to the church. Yo. So, so, so I have to open up and tell you. He said, ah, don't go. Me, he I've applied for that uh, bridge, something. And uh, they will keep delaying you, delaying you. That uh, they, <coughs> there are a lot of people on the queue. Ah, I said, ah, let me go and try my own. So I, I eventually came to the church and uh, meet the people in charge of his and uh, I opened up with them. And the way they attended to my own matter, it looked as maybe God is the one uh, that didn't bring me. So at the end, the, the people that were even on the queue that applied for that same uh, loan, at the end, they give us the money together. So the same person that was trying to discourage me at that point, when he heard about it, we were saying, ah, wow. So at the point, he forgot about it. When the business was like growing, from that my first uh, I got a new one with that same money because that money keep growing. Mm. So he saw me having a new keke. So and that business was like still growing up to now. So that oh, same God. person have to still walk under me. Wow. The person that talked me down, he came to me to a point that I should give him keke to drive. Wow. So <laughs> I give him one. So if I listen to him at that point and mm-hmm. turn back, I will, that will have been my own uh, dream. Amazing. Classic example of why you should not listen to the naysayers. If God says go, you do what? Buki. Oh, who has the mic? Okay, person now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, just like the um, example you gave about giving your life to Christ and being mocked. I, I gave my life to Christ when I was quite young. So my auntie that used to live with us, she just saw that... Uh, which one is this girl behaving so watching her shadow very <laughs> you know so I, I told her I was you know saved and all that told her the whole story she laughed and laughed I said you Nina I beg I give you three months three months you'll be back to your original you you know and it kept haunting me I said I saw God this salvation is just for three months. Am, <laughs> am I, you know, am I faking it? So what's, you know, I, I, was, I was really worried, you know, but just growing in the faith and just trusting God, I thank God, you know, till up to, from that time to now, like, I don't know, 20 something years now, mm. and God has been faithful. Awesome. I give him all the glory. <laughs> She's Pray. now a Christian. She's whole family, too. yes. She's awesome. now a Christian. Praise, Praise God. God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Okay, finally, very quickly, please. So my example too is a business example. Right. I remember like the first landed uh, property that my husband and I bought. You know when you've struggled and you've just gathered some money and then one of his friends bought the next plot to it. And then we wanted to start business. Then it was our first attempt at starting business. So he approached his friend and said, do you want to buy this plot? And the friend says something like, yeah, you're buy land. They don't, if you buy land, you don't sell. Except, you know, just almost mocking that. Why are you selling something that you bought? But we thank God because, I mean, God has been faithful with the businesses and no regrets whatsoever. Amen. Praise God. So when you hear what you need to do, just do what God has told you to do. Forget the people that are trying to discourage you. All right, praise God. We need to move fast now. All right, so 
Fear is another strategy that the enemy uses to, to, to keep us down. Because fear makes your strength, make, makes strength to decay. The work of God, the, 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 when, when God gives you an idea, when you want to run with it, God demands or requires you to be physic, to have physical, spiritual, and strength in your soul. So I, I call it soulical. All right, we have to be both. We, God requires both physical, spiritual, and soulical strength. One of the strategies of Satan always is just to introduce fear into the lives of believers. You know, begin to have doubt about that thing that you want to do. Because when, you, when, God, when they introduce fear, it destabilizes and makes people to lose strength. But the Lord is always there to strengthen us, just as he strengthened Nehemiah. And he will strengthen us in the name of Jesus. Our God will fight for us. Then, our God will always fight for us. Um, Again, touching on what Pastor Lamide also mentioned earlier on, the story of Nehemiah. At a point, you need, to, you need to not only be ready, like I explained now, physically, you also have to be ready spiritually. And you'll be, you, part of being ready physically was what Nehemiah's team also did. Because when, uh, if you read 16 to 19, because of time, we'll just rush that. If you read verse, chapter 4, 16 to 19, it tells about the fact that these Sambalat and Tobiah, they were not just happy about mocking them. They were not happy of just introducing fear. They began to make a plan to actually attack them. And Nehemiah had to say, okay, this is what we're going to do, people of Israel. As you are walking, use one hand to be walking. Use one hand to hold your weapon ready to fight. And that's what they did. And that's how they continued and continued. And they finished the building. The enemy's counsel will not stand in the name of Jesus. But at the same time, we need to be watchful. We, we need to be watchful. When our work for God, when our work for God is genuinely undertaken in faith and humility, in order to give God glory, in order to give glory to God and to advance his kingdom, using our weapons of the Spirit, we can be assured that no matter how great the difficulties are, our God will always fight for us. Praise God. You know, this, this was an encouragement in verse 19, uh, chapter 4. Nehemiah says, Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people, the work is very spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding. Then our God will fight for us. So basically what he was telling them was that, look, just get ready to just stand when, the, when we make the call and trust that God will fight for us. And I'm guaranteeing you, when we also as a people decide and are saying we are ready to stand, God will fight for us in the name of Jesus. All right. So finally... Verse 6, uh, chapter 6, which is like the end of the story, chapter 6, verse 15 and 16. I just, it's, I mean, it says, So on October 2, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, 
they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. One thing is going to be very clear. Nigeria will be restructured. Nigeria will be rebuilt. And it will be obvious to the whole world that we could not have done this without the help of God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. I've held myself not to talk about politics. Any questions before we go into the commit section and we round up? Any questions or any topic? Because um, we've, I mean, I try to break down the different stages as much as I can that Nehemiah went from the time he started to the time they finished. And um, yeah, that's it. Anybody has a question or any comments or contributions? Anybody? Can't see any hand. Okay, Madam has a hand. Yeah. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to contribute about the what did the sister say about the uh, the auntie who mocked her about the repentance. I about have what? A, about the uh, receiving Christ as a, okay. Yeah. Then I have uh, two ladies, and these ladies. They are with me. And one say, devil can do things quick, quick, quick. More than God. But why we will go to church and we are disturbing ourselves. So they smoke me. And I don't care about them. But one day I make my mind that I will drive all of them. Even the younger one, I will drive her from my house. Make you know, stay with me again. But I thank God that the day that I make my mind that I could kill you out. Morning, lady, like tell him when he run, come to you, say, I beg, if you want to go to church today, call me, make you go. I say, you never start. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That one follow me, go to church, and he receive Christ, Amen. and he repent, and he receive anointing, Holy Spirit of God, anointing, deliver, and he have fire for him, hand like this, mm. with burning, and he be one reject, and the Spirit of God, I say, for protection, for protection to his son. That's how he come, a woman of God. Now he's a, she's a woman of God. But the first one that he say, devil can do quick, quick. He go with the devil, and the devil kill him quick, 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 quick also. Because he do quick, quick, quick. So anywhere you are, where you are a child of God, they are mocking you. They are mocking yourself. Because if they're mocking you, your, your God, your God will show them that mm. he is a God. He know how to corner them. Even their house, Babala Osef called me mama. Because in wife deliver, if you not be my God, God say go and help, and I go and God deliver. If you not be God, he for die. But today, they are okay, and they know my God, and their God is dead God. So praise the Lord. If you are everywhere, praise God. Okay, yeah, awesome, Mike. There's a and there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, what struck me the most was when you said, and the Bible says, Nehemiah 2, 17 and 18. That Nehemiah told them the reason why the walls of Jerusalem had to be built. I mean, it sounds so obvious that Jerusalem was in ruins and the walls had to be built. 
why did it take somebody to remind everybody? And immediately everybody agreed. Uh, mm. So for me, I'd be struggling with that particular line because it just kind of tells me that, you know, even in a state, it's very easy for us to be in a state of decay without knowing. Mm. And, and because it just took somebody to recognize that there has to be a good reason for us to build this wall and restore Jerusalem. And everybody immediately agreed. Uh, so for me, that was the key thing that struck me about maybe in our own personal lives or in our communities or whatever, those, there may be those things that seem, it may look normal to everybody, but it's just not right. Mm. And, and it's, I think for me, it's really about how can God open our eyes to that? Mm. Because change doesn't start from things that are too obvious sometimes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you very much for that. You know, the, the challenge with decay at times is that when you stay in it for too long, you get used to it. So the, the, the people of Israel probably are just gotten used to, okay, the wall is broken. Okay, we'll go around it. There's a heap of stone here. Okay, we'll walk around it. And they just continued with their life until someone said, no, this is not the way to do it. This is how. And like I said, they immediately said, ah, it's true. Praise God. So it's important that we all go now and go and scan our lives as individuals, the various areas of our lives, scan our environments. What are those areas of decay? What are those areas that's like rubbles? What are those areas that is uh, damaged that needs to be rebuilt? And let's take action. And God will empower us as we do so in the name of Jesus. So the commits, we say today, I commit to start the process of rebuilding every area of my life that is in shambles. And as I do this, I will work with the people you have put beside me and we will be victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.